Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we're talking about eight things to tell your mortgage broker. Now, I tell you what, Andrew, we recently had an investor who came in and they went to see one of their mortgage brokers. Now, they were told that they could borrow up to $800,000. And do you know what happened? They ended what up, happened? They ended up putting a property under contract for just under that. I think it was about seven eighty nine k. Now, they submitted the application to the bank, right? And the mortgage broker feeling really confident about this because, you know, we thought up to 800K. The bank said no. Now, the issue was that the investor had all of the stuff that they hadn't told the mortgage broker, but the bank had actually picked up. So the broker had said 800K. Bank said nowhere near it because there was a whole heap of additional stuff that hadn't been disclosed to the mortgage broker. So look, here's the thing. When you're working with a mortgage broker, There's so many forms, but sometimes the forms don't pick up anything. So I'm not saying that investor did anything wrong. I'm not saying they were trying to withhold information, but sometimes the forms don't capture the whole story. So what we want to do is we want to give you today the eight things that you need to have a conversation with your mortgage broker about, or the eight things that you need to disclose if they're relevant. Andrew, kick it off for us. Okay, let's start with credit cards. So let's firstly talk about why people forget or what they don't disclose. People often just genuinely forget about credit cards. And a big part of this is because sometimes we have credit cards we don't use. So for example, I've got an American Express. I don't think I've ever used it, but I've got an American Express and I had it for the travel benefits. But you've got to remember to put that on your application. And if you forget to tell your mortgage broker, even if it's not used, it's going to impact the amount of money that you can borrow on your mortgage application because the bank needs to test they're servicing on what would happen if you max them out all of a sudden and had to make those minimum payments. And just to put that into context, a 10K credit card, even if it's unused, would affect your borrowing for an investment property about $75,000. Huge, isn't it? But Andrew, what I want to know is how does the bank find out I've got one if I haven't put it on my mortgage application? Or if you're not using it, it's not have payments going out of your account. Great question. So the bank requests a credit report whenever they're doing an assessment, and that says all the facilities you've got. So it'll go through and list, you've got a farmer's card, you've got a BNZ card, and you've got an American Express card. And even if you had a farmer's card that you took out four and a half years ago, it's going to be on there even if you're not using it. And then the bank's going to have to ask about it. And look, let's talk about what's the impact or the, or the bad stuff that happens. Well, number one is non-disclosure. The bank starts to wonder, what else are they not telling us? Number two, that you've missed out on an opportunity. So the mortgage advisor could have said to you, hey, before we submit this application, go and close that farmer's card you don't use. And I'll put that in my diary note. And number three, and this is probably the biggest one for me as an ex-mortgage broker, it can be really hard to reapply and get a yes out of the bank that just said no. Now, number two that you've got to talk to your mortgage advisor about, and this is a big one, is any debt that you're committed to but have not drawn down yet. So things like buying a business. If you're committed to buying a specific business, you've got the contract all drawn up, but you just haven't paid the money yet, tell your mortgage advisor. That's really important. The other thing is, let's say you're buying a property off the plans and you signed up, you're unconditional, but that property's not going to be completed for another, let's call it 12 months. Hey, look, you need to tell your mortgage advisor about that because you are going to take out that debt even if you have not drawn it down. Because here's the thing, when you buy a property off the plans, and this is especially important for this situation, the broker's probably going to give you the thumbs up based on the numbers you have today. Then they might apply for the money a little bit closer to the time that that property is going to be finished. 
So what's the bad thing if you don't disclose this? Well, let's say your earning situation changes because you've just bought that business and maybe the business doesn't have all the financials that are needed for the bank to say yes. Well, you could potentially lose your deposit if you've had a material change to your earning situation, you were earning a salary, now you own a business, and now you've got no ability to actually get the money out from the bank. Here's the other thing. Let's say you settle on that first new build investment property you'd signed on. Yep, you could get the money for that. But now that you've bought another one, gosh, no hope in how I'm getting the money now, depending on your situation, of course. So you might be over committing to debt. So your mortgage broker gives you the thumbs up, but that's based on your current situation, not what might change over the next, let's call it six to 12 months. So really important that you're disclosing any debt that you've committed to, but haven't actually drawn down yet. Number three is your actual documented income. This is a big one. Yeah, big one. So what people forget or don't disclose, and I'll give you an example of a story that I heard recently. So a pair of investors, the female partner was in the relationship and said she earned $25,000 a year. Now, it looked like the couple could afford to purchase an investment property, but after the mortgage application was submitted, the bank approved it, the lender said, I want proof of income payslip, something like that, which is completely standard. Anyway, the broker asks for proof of income. Turns out this investor is paid under the table. So they're avoiding paying tax, which is illegal. Now, what's the impact? What's the bad stuff that happens? Well, wasted time. So let's say it doesn't fit at that bank anymore because it needed that income and there was another bank that gets it, although I think that's probably unlikely. It's going to take time. Plus, you've wasted all that time actually doing the application when it was never going to fit. As a result, they might miss out on the property because of this. Number two, the advice that was given is not right for the investor situation because the advisor didn't know the real situation. And just in terms of the advice not being right, that's stuff like the mortgage broker saying, hey, you can borrow 800k, but actually it turns out being 600k. So if you disclose these things up front, your mortgage advisor can help set the expectations because if they tell you 800k, based on the information you've given them, you walk away, you've found a property you love, and that's for 750. You go through and try and buy it. Oh no, you're down to 600. Well, you're not going to feel good about that. And of course, you know, these people might have built a wealth plan based on buying a property in, say, Auckland for 800,000. Now their budget might not even allow that. Well, I actually heard another one where a business owner came in, put down that they earned 200K a year. That was the turnover, wasn't it? Yeah, they didn't earn 200K. The revenue of the business was 200K. So they've got costs associated with that. So it's not going to be provable to the bank. Now, number four is personal loans and overdrafts. Now, this is very similar to credit cards. Look, banks are going to look at what you earn versus what you spend. And sometimes people forget that they've got overdrafts or personal loans, especially if those personal loans are on autopilot. And again, just for context, let's say you had a 10K personal loan, you're planning to pay that off over seven years. You know, that's going to stop you borrowing about $33,000. The impact that's going to have on your ability to borrow. And the bank's going to find that out again on your credit report. Now, it has the same impact as credit cards. Banks going to wonder, well, what else aren't you telling me? You've missed out at all opportunity, hard to go back to the same bank. What's number five, Andrew? Number five is higher purchases, and especially in my mind, some of those deferred payment ones. So what people forget to disclose, well, let's imagine an investor has bought a lounge suite from Harvey Norman for $15,000, and it's four years interest-free or deferred payment. So the payments might be X amount per month, but of course, because they're not making those payments right now, they don't think to put that down. Forget to tell the broker about it, well, there's $59,000 worth of lending that they can't get anymore. How does the bank find out? Again, it's going to be in the credit report, even if those monthly payments aren't going out. 
What's the impact? What's the bad things that happens? Again, non-disclosure. Banks really start to question you so much if you leave these things out. Whether or not it's intentional or otherwise, you know, you're not on top of your finances enough to know that these need to be considered a liability. So they should question you. Number two, may have missed out on an opportunity. That property might be snapped up by someone else now because you can't get the finance. And number three, again, really hard to go and get a yes from that bank that says no. Now, number six, this is a big one, especially for you younger investors. If you've ever used an afterpay, if you've ever used a lay-by, these buy now, pay later sort of schemes, here's the thing. You might have already paid off your afterpay, and let's say that was six weeks ago. So you think, well, I don't need to tell my broker about that because I've already paid it off. Well, here's the thing. The bank is going to go through your bank statements, the last three months of them, and they're going to potentially see some stuff going out to afterpay. Might be $50 a week. And here's the thing, you might not, again, have spent that money again and you've got to keep paying $50 a week to them because you're always buying stuff. You know, you might not be doing any of that. But because you could and because you've done it over the last three months, that $50 a week, the bank could take into account when they're going through figuring out what do you actually spend in a week or what do you actually spend in a month. And if it's $50 a week, 41K less lending based on our standard assumptions. And if you don't put it in, the bank will pick it up anyway, your bank savings, start adding it in. And I just think the real thing when we talk about missed opportunity, you've missed the opportunity to talk with your mortgage advisor and see what else could you do to get this application over the line. Because here's the thing, if it looks like your mortgage application is going to be approved, it's just going to sail through, the mortgage advisor doesn't have to help you rejig some things to present it in the best way, like closing credit cards, some of these other things. But if you're more marginal, and if you're upfront with your situation, the mortgage broker says, oh, actually, we do need to do some things. We need to close some credit cards. We need to consolidate some debt to get this over the line. That's the opportunity you've missed out if you're not having these conversations. And look, I know nobody tells you to do this stuff. You're not lying to the broker, but it's just that you need to be told, hey, these are the eight things. Andrew, number seven is a big one. Number seven is revolving credits. And look, why do people forget this? Well, when the application says write down the value of your mortgage, you often put the amount that you owe. But of course, revolving credits might have a limit that might be 100,000 more than what you actually owe. So people just write down the balance, what's actually owing today, not considering the total limit, but like a credit card, you can take that money out at any time, do some renovations on the house, and all of a sudden your interest commitments are going up. So you've got to put the limit as well as the balance on there, or if you've only got the slot for one, you put the limit. How's the bank find out? Well, they're going to see that in your credit report again and all your bank statements, or <laughs> even worse, if you've got a revolving credit with them, they're going to see that pretty easy. Again, your impact is non-disclosure, missed opportunity, and hard to get a yes from that bank that said no. And number eight, oh, what if you have the pitter-patter of little feet? <laughs> what if you're going to have a baby? Now, I thought you were going to say ducks, but yeah, okay. Well, here's the thing, Andrew. This is really big, especially for new builds, because if there's a delay between when you go unconditional and when you get approved, and all of a sudden you find that one of the partners is pregnant, then the bank now needs to take that into account when you reapply for finance. So it really impacts you if you're unconditional and then you've got to reapply for finance. Now, how's the bank going to find out? Well, when you go in and you walk in to hand over your loan documents, sign them off with the bank, and one of you has got a big bump, well, I tell you what, the bank's probably going to know. And the impact of that is that maybe you can't afford the lender anymore. 
So the mortgage broker gave you the thumbs up. Yep, we'll get this done. Let's go unconditional on this new build. And then baby comes along. Oh, actually, you can't afford that anymore because there's an extra, say, $300 a month UMI that gets taken up by that baby. Well, maybe you can't afford that lending anymore. And do you know what? That could mean that there's some stress that you guys have if you're moving on. Now, this is only going to affect you if you're marginal. If you've got a stronger application in the first place and you're going to sail through, then you know maybe this isn't as much of a concern. But I think it's worthwhile having these conversations. And again, it's the stuff that nobody tells you that you've got to talk about. But if you're planning to have a baby, have that conversation with your mortgage advisor. And Andrew, do you think investors are just being a bit naughty with the mortgage advisors here? Uh, no, I, I've accidentally left things off applications all the time. American Express is one of those things because I never even think about it. I should just cancel it. I've said that for years. Not always. I think that sometimes, you know, there's just a lot of forms to fill out and you rush through them, particularly if you've got a property under contract. But it's worth taking a pause and actually thinking about some of the stuff that we've talked about today and making sure you've completed it. And the forms don't ask, are you intending on having a baby? It just says how many dependents have got. The form doesn't ask if you're planning on taking out a higher purchase in the next few months. So it's something that you want to have a conversation with, with your broker. Or, you know, again, big one, if you're going to go and quit your job and start your own business, then all of these things, have a conversation with your broker first, make sure they know exactly what's going on. It's important that you give your broker the full financial situation because they need to, yes, get the mortgage, but they also need to give you appropriate financial advice. And I'll give you a good example. Let's say that you are planning on having a child and you're going to drop to one income for a period of time. You can still get the loan. Well, that's okay. But the the broker might say, okay, well, how are we going to manage the contributions over the time when you drop to one income? Maybe we need a revolving credit to help top that up just to get you through that lower income period. And, you know, even things like the forms don't ask you, are you planning on changing jobs within the next 12 months? And it's very easy to say, well, why don't mortgage advisors just change all the forms and ask all of these questions? Well, I tell you what, a lot of investors want some of these forms to be even shorter because it does take time to fill out all of the information needed to get a loan approved these days. But I think the main thing is, hey, listen to this podcast. We've just released an article about this as well. Just letting you know the sort of conversations you want to be having with your mortgage advisor, whether it's with one of our team at Catalyst Financial or whether it's with another broker that you're working with yourself. Hey, look, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, I want to see you at our webinar on Tuesday. And the reason is we're going to take you through the eight steps to build a passive income and retire on real estate. Now, these are the same eight steps which you're going to learn in our upcoming book, Wealth Plan. And at that webinar, next Tuesday, the 11th of October, 7pm, we are going to release the tickets for our book launch where we are touring around five cities around New Zealand. So I can't wait to see you there. Links down in the description. Tap or swipe over the cover up. You know what to do. Or just go to opuspartners.co.nz. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ian McKnight. I'm Andrew Nicholl. I'm going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 